Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Henry Nutt III. He's a pre-construction executive and author. So Henry, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is just great to be here. Yeah. So a, a mutual friend, Jesse, I, I asked him like, who else should I have on my podcast? Is it, you got to have Henry on. So I'm looking forward to learning about your story. Yeah. Jesse's awesome. Yeah. He's one of the people that I'm absolutely inspired by and really appreciate what he's doing in the industry. So one of the people that I, that I point to when I think about leaders that are trying to change the narrative and the message of what it means to be a construction professional. So he's, he's doing great work. Yeah. So you have a book. I've written a book before and it's not a small, you know, effort to get something going. So what prompted you to write your book? Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So it's gotta be a labor of love. It's a lot of work, even though my book is only 87 pages or 86 pages, it's a lot of work. And, you know, it, it stems back from the work that, that I've done with Southland and being in the industry for 30 something years and working with small, not necessarily small, but pre-apprenticeship programs, primarily in the Bay Area. And we partnered with them. And from there, we would go and sit in classrooms and talk to these potential candidates that are trying to figure out what they want to do with the rest of their lives from 18 to 50 years old, you know, change a career. And initially, it was more of a kind of a, a mandate that we had, and we did it for that reason. But then the job went away, and we always felt like we should keep doing it. It's good for us. It's good for our people, and it's also good for the industry. And so we'd go down maybe once a quarter and talk to a group of say 30, 40 students and talk about what it is to look, what does it look like for the day in the life of being in on a project site or working in a shop? Uh, what would make you be successful or what could possibly get you fired day one? And all in between and answer all these questions. And they had tons of questions for us. So we'd bring our, our some of our field leads and some of our journey level, journey level people and they got a chance to just be there and sit in the classroom for a couple hours and talk and then go downstairs to this workshop area and actually build something. So they got a chance to touch pipe, plumbing, sheet metal, and just kind of get exposed to what it, what it is. It was a recruiting component for us as well. So we were able to direct people to the union and know some names of people that we would want to hire. And so we did that over and over again for over 12 years, uh, and we're still doing it now. And from that, there was this consistent message that I found I found myself saying all the time. And it, it started out with these, what we call these four things that I talk about, and they would announce it when we came in the room. Henry's going to talk about these four things. And those four things grew, grew to, to five, to seven, ultimately. And then they became the principles for, for the book. And they are, they are principles that I think I've learned from my parents that I think are common sense, but they're not common. And, and so I realized that I want to put this in a book form and, and make it a manual for people that are maybe at times can get in their own way when it comes to how to really navigate through the industry and 
if they find themselves being on the short end of the stick or being let go first or just not getting landing their feet somewhere and ground and grounding themselves and growing with a company, maybe there's it's looking in the mirror and recognizing that. And it also helps some of the older generation, the veterans, the seasoned guys and, and women that are in the industry that may have forgot how hard it is sometimes when you're a kid and you're trying to figure this out and you're not sure, you know, you don't have an uncle or a grandfather or somebody that's been passing down that information to you your whole life and you may have struggled. And, and so it's, it's helping that generation, the older generation, uh, maybe have some empathy or, or, or remember when, you know, and so maybe when you're talking to some of these younger people about how to make it through, you can be mindful of some of the things that they may be facing, whether you face it or not. So it kind of has a two, two message, hopefully, uh, our, our audience. So it's seasoned veterans and then that younger generation that are just trying to figure it out. Yeah. So why don't we dive into what the seven principles are and maybe you can pick a few of them and, and dive deeper. Yeah, I think the the first one is kind of it's 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 I take it from a, one of the the good book it is it's, it's called uh, don't despise a day of small beginnings or start somewhere, you know. And it's it's one of the things that I think is most important about that and why it's my number one is because I think it's easy to look at people when they're successful in any industry. You know, we are attracted to people who've made it whatever that may mean to you, right? And so we, we are amazed or we're enamored by their story. And we often forget that they actually have a story because <laughs> all we see is the glitter or all we see is the success. We've all, we see that they've arrived and sometimes we we hardly ever understand what it took for them to get there, how many times they, they quit, <laughs> you know, and how many, you know, war wounds they have and stories they have to share about how hard it was for them. And so I want to help people rem remember and know for themselves why they're in it, whether why they may feel like, and I use an analogy of like a, a seed that you plant in the dirt. And that seed is a tree one day. It's, it's, it's a tree already, but it hasn't manifested yet, but that's how it becomes one. And, but you got to start in the dirt. You got to start unknown. You got to start in the dark. You got to start working through this hard process where you're not known. You're, you're not exposed. You're, you're, you're not the one that people may listen to. You're not, you don't feel respected. All these things that, that are real, but they all are part of the beginnings. And, and if you don't get caught up thinking that you're going to microwave your, your career, and you can focus on the maturation process. You can focus on really developing and going through some of the hard knocks that I think everybody has had to go through. No one had just arrived. So it's really focusing on that to kind of encourage people to not despise the day of a small beginning. Don't be angry at your beginning. Don't be angry at your start because everyone has had to had to experience that. And you get a chance to sit down with those folks. You really learn and, and find out. Yeah, it was it was tough. And they can identify. So that's one. I think another one that I think is, is important, this is the third one, and it's um, refusing to be a victim. You know, and in this life, we all have a story. We all have had something that has happened to us and some type of hardship. Regardless of the base of it, it's something that really hurt us, set us back, impacted our lives in, a, in maybe a very negative way. Maybe it helped you lose confidence. Maybe you never had confidence. I don't know the story, but I know we all have them and they're legitimate. And, and the great thing about them is that they are legitimate, but they often be a hindrance. 
because they can get you to rally around a self-pity party. And you can go tell that story to a bunch of people and they will rally around you about your self-pity because they agree with you. Yeah, that's hard. But does it mean you should quit? Does it mean you should stop believing? Does it mean that because no one in your family has experienced A or B, that maybe you should be the first? Maybe you can be the first. So maybe you should be the first and begin to do that work to set a different tone for the generations to come. So it's recognizing that at some point we have to take off that or do the work or get support or get around people that can help us to take off that kind of victim mentality. And then the woe is me because no one is going to always feel sorry for you. And at some point we have to say, okay, this happened. It was bad. It was wrong. It was all those things that we understand that it is, but it's still not a reason to stop. And so we have to like move forward. And, and I think that's so important. And because I can tell you stories and say, yeah, I should have just gave up and did X, Y, Z versus just hanging in there. And even sometimes when you temporarily pause, only say it's quitting, you get redirected just to get rerouted back to where you should be because you realize that ah, this is not make, giving me peace. It's not making me happy. It's not where I know I should be. So I got to just go through this whole process and grit and bear that pain of transforming out of that victim mode to like overcoming, you know, and not that it doesn't hurt or feel bad, but it's still not an excuse to stop. Yeah. Those are great. I love it. What are some of the other headings? Uh, you don't have to go into uh, deep of them, but I think uh, one of the other ones I have, I, it's, it's, it's coined as get a mentor, but I really would say it's, it's like learning how to hang around people smarter than you and knowing the value of that. If you're always the smartest person in the room, it's probably like, or you're the smartest one in your circle of friends, you might need to grab some new friends because at some point you want to be stretched in your life. You want to be exposed to different things. And if you can't find someone there, then go to the library because people who have something to say typically put it in the book and they might be worth hanging out with if, if, if only in that form. It's again, not using an excuse that you don't have any friends that way. You just got to do some different things. And so I think as we get exposed to different ways of thinking, different ideas, different ways to solve problems, it broadens our horizon. And, and if we're always around people that think the same way, then we're just kind of stuck and we don't think differently. And it's, so, it's such a grand world out there with different types of ideas and thoughts. Whether you agree with them or not, it's more so about being challenged and being forced to think differently and how to solve problems and how to deal with different issues in our lives. So and that ties into how we do our work, you know, and, and so it does, it's relevant. And, and so that's another one is, is, is getting a coach or a mentor and, and someone that can challenge you. One of the other ones is learning how to follow, you know, as a leader, we really, it's an, any great leader has had to follow someone. And it's, it's such an important step to your own leadership is to recognize like shadowing somebody and, and recognizing what it is about that person so that you can learn some traits about why would someone follow you? <laughs> it's not just because you're great. <laughs> you know, it's about really recognizing why, what you influence and how you really influence people that gives them that reason to say, you know, I want to stand behind this person. And some of the people that follow you, you may never meet them, but they're recognizing you as someone that influences whatever is important to you and what comes out of their mouth resonates with you. So you choose to say, I'm going to spend time learning more about that person. And so it's, but first is really, it's about submission. It's about humility. It's about recognizing that 
being the leader doesn't mean you're at the top of the room with the loudest voice, always having something to say. It's really about how you influence the team and what you allow others to do and how you do that in a way that really resonates with with those individuals. And so recognizing that following is just as important because at some point, if you are a leader, you have to be able to look back and recognize people are following you. Otherwise, you're just a leader in name only, and you may have a title, but it doesn't mean you're an influencer. And, and that's really, there's a big difference between that. So I think first is recognizing how to follow, how to, how to get behind and, 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 and just be that person that's willing to support others. You talked about, well, well, just let's talk about growth and personal growth. What sort of things have you done to push yourself to, to grow? Oh, man. Reading a lot of books, a lot of different books I've, I've read. Having a family that I'm close to. I have three sisters, a mom and a dad, and, and I have three children as well. And, and so just I learn from other people. And it's not so much about what they do. It's those indirect things that I observe and, and how they conduct themselves. I learn a lot from what people don't do. <laughs> you know, and, and observation. And I'm sometimes like a blessing and a curse of this intuition. Sometimes I feel like I have to read the room and read what is not being said and learning what having a voice means and getting to the point in my life where you kind of step out of your own fear and, and, and doubt and you begin to be that person that says the things that, that others may not say, but you can say it in a way that doesn't offend it actually helps build bridges. And so I think being around different people in my career and family, picking up snippets from things I've learned from, from reading, and then somewhat being forced to like be out there. You know, you have someone pushing you. Years ago, I was a youth pastor for years in the church, you know, and I was scared to death. But then I learned some public speaking, you know, tools there that helped me. But more importantly, is just working with people is learning that at the end of the day, no matter what audience is in front of you, is that many times we have similar needs and desires and it's learning how to connect with people. And, and I think that's what's, what's most important. And if you have something that you truly believe in, it's easy to be passionate about it and get on the stage and not consider if there's a thousand people or five, it doesn't matter. You can speak with the same passion and courage because what you're saying is intertwined in who you are as a human being. Mm. And, and that is one thing that I, that I try to stay true to is if I don't believe it, I can't talk about it. I won't talk about it un until I understand it and, and have an opinion or it's given me some kind of experience that allows me to walk down the path to be genuine because I, I've heard enough folks for years that can talk about a lot of things, but, but you can also recognize if it connects with them, really connects with them, because I don't want to just give you data and, and not be able to support how do you move forward and, and how do you deal with the pitfalls? And, and we need more people that, that can speak to the, the science, but also the experience, and then connect those two things to be able to really help shape people in regards to what do you do next, you know? And you don't have to give them an answer. It's really a question. And, and they can move forward from there in their own authentic way. Yeah, I think you partially answered it. But you talked earlier about learning from what people do not say. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? 
Yeah, sometimes it's the unspoken words. You sit in a room in a meeting or whatever it may be, and there's this awkward silence. And, and maybe it's not very clear or obvious to most people, but it's something that I've seen. And it's re looking at how people are reacting, our eyes, our body language, you know, it's just our posture and changes and really being sensitive to those kind of things and knowing that this was a moment that was captivating in some way, but nothing was said. And, and so it's learning. Sometimes we're careful. And I think there's, there's obviously it's important. And I'm not talking about being disrespectful or offensive, but it's also recognizing that we got to find ways to challenge the conversations that we're having. And I think many times it's easy to be intimidated by someone that may have a certain look. They've been in leadership their whole, their whole lives. They think they know all of it. And that person that is in that room that doesn't feel that way, but won't dare say a thing. And the person that thinks they know it all is such in a position where they're not going to recognize that they've just stepped on someone, <laughs> you know, in a sense. And, and many times intentionally, but still the result's the same. So it's observing for me those kind of things, because I was that person. I was that person that may have been stepped on or may have been offended and didn't say things. And I, and I always say that if I ever got in a position where I had leadership opportunity and, and had a voice that, that could impact, that I would, I would use it. And, and I would use it in a way that was empowering other people. And, and so that's what I've tried to do in my career as a superintendent when I was in that role for 12 years with Southland is I probably was the person you wouldn't think would be a superintendent because I'm not the yeller screamer. Would I fire you if you deserve to be fired? In a heartbeat. <laughs> and I would have I would have all the different components and things I need to back it up. And but I didn't need to berate people to get my job done. And so it's like really recognizing how people respond and things that that weren't set in those rooms and how you can really impact people or extract what was going on inside. And sometimes it's things that, that will help your team. You know, it's it's being a person that's been a lean practitioner or a champion for years within the industry. It's it's learning that the best solutions and answers don't necessarily come from the person with the title. It comes from the people that we call the last planners, the people that do the work. And we just need to tap on on their shoulder and say, we give you license to talk. We give you license to tell, to challenge, to take, to say what you would do differently in your job every day that you probably know better than I do. Even if I have 10 years over you, I'm not doing what you're doing every day. So it's really challenging people and giving giving that license to say, I wanna hear from you, like I need to hear from you. We can't really accomplish the goal without your 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 voice, your input. And then and when we do that, we create some magical moments. We create some very creative opportunities and innovative ideas, solutions to problems that we may just not think about. And as we talk about having different sets of eyes and ears, and sometimes we're so in it that we don't see the forest anymore for the trees. That's that it's we just we we're lost in it. And it doesn't mean we're wrong. We just recognize that we just need to recognize that there are other opportunities and other ideas and other people around us. And that's how we, in my mind, it's how we help solicit those ideas by creating that space for them to be confident to speak up. 
Absolutely. Responsibility of leadership to create the right environment. But what tips would you give to people that that want to speak up, that don't want to stay silent, but don't also want to offend or you know lose their, their, their job? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And I think it's there's a there's an art to it. I mean, and I, I don't think we ever you may get you may be angry at something. There may be a moment that that just sparks you and you're you're angry or you're really offended. Instead of reacting in that moment, I would take notes, personal notes of, of, of what it is you're feeling, why it is you're feeling that, maybe even jot it down, give some time to think about it and come back to that individual, that leader, or maybe it's in the next time there's a group session to bring those things back and talk about that, but be able to identify why and what you're feeling. Because many times we just can react. We know when someone you know, every steps on our feet. We know when we're offended. We know what it feels like to be disrespected. We know what those things are. But sometimes in the heat of the moment, if we're reacting to that feeling, we don't say the right things. It's like making a decision when you're angry or when you're really hurt. It's probably the wrong decision <laughs> because you're responding in emotion. And and I think not to dissuade or that emotion's not important, but it's really recognizing the balance between the emotion about, yes, this hurt me or this offended me, but is the rationale behind it about how I move forward with it to actually solve a problem. Now, the emotion only will solve the problem of making you feel better because you're going to get, you know, justification, but it may disrupt the situation even more. And disruption may not be what's needed. It may be, but it's recognizing that, let me stand back, let me evaluate, and then let me come back with something and say, maybe it's pulling people to the side that you trust to get an idea of how to convey the message. But it's really important. And, and I think that we're seeing more and more of that. And it's great because it wasn't what we we typically you, you just you're just shunned. You're shunned your whole career, you know, and you just walk around with a chip on your shoulder. And I'm grateful that this generation, especially these Generation Zers coming through, that's not going to be what they do. They're not going to tolerate that. And so, but it does have to be done in a way where we can have a dialogue and not just a one-sided conversation because it wasn't good for the other generation to do that. So it won't be productive for the new generation to do that. But we, we've got, so we got to find that common ground. And I, I just say, don't react, don't react, don't react to emotion. If you have a trusted friend, talk to that person, get some advice and then come back to the table with some thoughts that you've taken time to stew over a little bit to maybe have more of a of an emotional yet rational response that really helps solve the problem. And that's gotta be the key is what is the ultimate goal is I'm trying to solve a problem. I'm not trying to make someone feel bad. I'm not trying to make someone, I'm not trying to berate someone. It's And that's not easy to do. It, it takes some some self-control because it's just easy to just step back on your someone else's foot. <laughs> react and say, okay, I feel better because you made this person feel bad, so I'm making you feel bad. Does that really solve the problem? Or is that what you really wanted to do? And I think you have to ask yourself, did you really want to solve a problem? Did you want to make them feel bad because you feel bad? Okay, but you still didn't solve a problem. So it's recognizing what is the end goal? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is there anything that I did not ask you, but you wanted to cover? I get to, uh, yeah, one thing that you you would, I told you we were, we we're talking about the, uh, I'm at this I'm going to this festival of books and I'm um, in Los Angeles right now and working from my, my hotel room. But tomorrow and Sunday, there's this, uh, it's the largest book fair in the United States. And so we have 500 authors from all over 
I'm like a little bit of a speck in this group of 500, but I'm in a booth tomorrow and, and uh, Sunday from about nine to three and trying to promote my book and doing something that I'm not comfortable doing, which is self-promotion, but it's fun. And I look, I'm looking forward to being around a bunch of authors and people that really like to read and buy books and, and learning and networking with a whole different audience. So this is the first for me. So very excited. It's like a very sunny weekend happening here. So it'd be nice to be out in the sun in California and, uh, you know, doing that. So that's, that's cool. That's, that's just one thing I wanted to share. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, sharing your story and your experience. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.